0: i
1: Boys and ghouls, welcome to episode sixty seven of Dads from the Crypt, the Tales of the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. Tonight, I'm joined by Jody. Hello, and Mondo. Hello, and tonight, we're joined by two very special guests. The first of which is my eldest begotten child. Say hello, JT.
0: Hello, how's it going?
1: And the second of which is join. We are joined by Devin Hunter, who's an award-winning author and expert in the occult. Done, done, done.
2: Thanks for having me. <laughs> How are you, Devin? Life's a dream. I, I have no. Com- I have little allergies, but other than that, no complaints. I'm happy yeah. to be here.
1: For those watching on the, the video, I turned off all my filters. You can actually see what my room looks like. My uh, guest room <laughs> slash office. Um, and, uh, we we're hamster sitting for some friends that are out of town. I think the haze, uh, up up
3: my allergies. I, I didn't know ham- I didn't know like you had to have someone to watch a hamster while you're away. I figured it has have, have everything it needs in that little cage and you could just leave town for a few days and come back.
1: Well, not not for like a week.
3: Oh, okay.
1: We, it's either we go over there and feed it like, like once or twice a day or we just bring it over here. The kids won't like, like playing with it.
3: Okay. I respect this.
1: But, um, so Devin, tell us about yourself.
2: Oh, goodness. Um, I, I write books on the occult. Um, and I talk to people about the occult. Sometimes I get them out of weird occult situations. Um, and I, I like to think of myself as, uh, a, like more like Constantine, but I wear hoodies and there's less of a dramatic backstory. Um, but he's, he's like my, yeah. So that, that's like my, my alignment, I guess. Um, but yeah. So I, I write books and I do all the things and have a good time. Big horror fan so i'm super excited to talk about tales because tales is a really important part of my like childhood growing up so this is this is super cool yeah
1: Yeah. we'll we'll get to your tales experience in one moment but i just out of curiosity what's the example of a um occult experience that you help people out with
2: uh, okay. So on like the really dark, serious side, there's people, mm-hmm. um, have had clients who have had, um, we'll, we'll say possession issues, oh, wow. well, issues where, um, they, I had a client that was in a, a women's shelter and she got a, a nasty that, um, was there and took advantage of that situation with her and, Cause a lot of problems. Um, I do. I did an investigation a couple years ago at an Odd Fellows Hall, which is Odd Fellows are like a bigger thing here in California. But it's, uh, it's a they were a weird secret society, and they were known for having these like really strange rituals that. Kind of mimic voodoo uh, in a weird way, but even though I don't think that they, it was intentional, but that'll come up later on. I'm sure today, um, but yeah, so like trippy stuff, and um, so going <laughs> in a lot of haunted homes and that kind of thing. Yeah, cool. so I, I'm I'm the Ghostbuster guy.
3: <laughs> uh, I, okay, I, cool. I, I don't know if I talked about it. Did I talked about it on here, but I've actually lived in a haunted house before. You mentioned it, but yeah. We rented a house when I was a kid, and we started getting letters from the National Crematorium Society. And it was that we rented the house, and we had a giant fireplace in the middle. And then the landlord basically broke it to my parents that, oh yeah, the person before you, I do a victim after 20 years, I found out they're running a crematorium out of here. And, unlicensed, uh,
1: unlicensed. Oh, that, that's oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's inviting some trouble.
3: I will say, a yeah, lot of weird shit happened in that house. I can't explain. So uh, I definitely am a believer in a, a lot of paranormal stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's the stuff I can't explain that keeps me coming back. Like I, I cuz my father was uh, an electrical engineer and you know so we raised very logical, very star trekky and um and I'm the weird guy that goes and talks to the things that go bump in the night. But I but still raised to be very level-headed as much as possible and it's and it's it's the stuff that I just can't explain that I can't rationalize that you know, no electronic meter can explain away. No, you know, that's the stuff that keeps me coming back. Nice. Yeah.
1: And um, well, yeah, I definitely, I didn't plan to have you on the episode that dealt into voodoo, but I think that that is going to be very interesting when we get to that. So yeah. we'll get let's put a, let's put a pin in that
2: for okay. now. Yes.
1: Uh, <laughs> and uh, why don't you tell us your relationship with Tales of
2: the Crypt? So yeah, so I we didn't have HBO growing up, but it was not syndication on our local Fox affiliate. Mm-hmm. And so I but it would only came on at like Friday or Saturday night at like two in the morning. It was like super duper late. So it was one of those things that was on in the summertime. I was able to stay up. I watched that and outer limits and you know, all those things and that I'm I'm into a certain genre, I guess, a certain you know uh, quality of film. Um, but yeah, so that was how it started, and it was and it was stuff that would stick with me. Whereas the other stuff, like I, goosebumps and every you know all the stuff everybody was into, I'm an elder millennial, um, so I was into all that stuff. But it was tales were haunting, and tales tended like they stuck with you in a weird way. And I can't, you know, I was thinking about it. I was trying to think of what was the most you know, kind of meaningful story for me. And, and honestly, most of the stuff that I remember is, it's, is intros. It's the outros, it's the camp, like that's the stuff that I tend to, to just enjoy. But I know the stories would give me nightmares as a little kid. It was like the only stuff that would give me nightmares, but I I would totally wake up with something's trying to kill me. There's somebody who's got a gun (laughs) like all the kinds of stuff. So, yeah.
1: Nice. Do you have, so do you have a favorite episode that you remember?
2: No, I my favorite ones are the movies. I know it's so lame. I know everyone's oh, like, oh no, the movies great. better. But great. Uh, yeah. Oh, the movies great. are amazing. Yeah. Bordello of Blood is is the thing that like made me question my sexuality. Like I had a whole <laughs> like thing with that. Um I yeah, to this day, I still watch that at least twice a year. It's it's a that's an important, an important film for me. Um but Demon Knight, there's also something really cool about Demon Knight. And oh, yeah. I was I was a I was a budding little a, a cult paranormal kid when when that came out and I was able to get it in on film on on tape back when there were tapes and uh, watched it so that was something that stuck with me and I remember became kind of part of my my mythos as a as a young as a youngin you know it was it was a very oh we got to go find the yeah anyway, it's very cool I I, I but, so the movies were probably more you know what's what I remember and I can go back to his storylines and things like that cool thank you. JT, why don't you tell us a little bit about about yourself?
0: Uh, Let's see. 17 years old. Uh, Got my driver's license not too long ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad is still terrified of me driving. Um, I just drove his car for the first time ever. (laughs) I mostly live down in Oregon with my mom, but I get to visit up here every school break, so that's pretty cool. Um, Let's see. I have two younger siblings, Ellie and Nora. They're adorable. But they're growing up too fast, and I need mm-hmm. to get, convince them to stop growing. It didn't
1: work with, on you, so it's
0: not gonna work on that. Okay,
3: but here's the thing. <laughs> that, that, that's some I old man talk know. from a 17 year old over there. <laughs> I,
0: now felt. I now know how he felt watching me. <laughs> like, last time I was here, they were maybe up to my waist. Now they're up to my chest. It's ridiculous. They're now. Also, um, despite how much I don't want them to grow up, I do want them to learn how awesome sleeping in is. That way they let me sleep in. Yes.
1: It would be nice if they learned the value of sleeping it's... in. Um, and what is your experience with Tales to uh,
0: Entirely through you. <laughs> I've only seen the episodes that you've shown me. I've only been exposed to um, your side of it. I haven't seen any of the movies. Um, from what I've seen of it, I haven't seen many episodes, but the Crypt Keeper is easily the best part. His plans are to die for as you can see, I got my dad's sense of humor.
3: <laughs> I am so sorry.
0: I'm just <laughs> It has led to many awkward silences. And um,
1: and early today, you had an idea of you can do a podcast with uh, the other
2: kids from the crypts. Yeah, yeah. that would be cool. That would totally be cool. Hold, yeah,
3: hold on a second. We don't need any com- We don't need more competition. There isn't, there's there's <laughs> enough tales from the podcast out there.
1: All right, but today we're here to discuss Halfway Horrible, which came out on December 1st, 1993. Jody, give us a plot synopsis.
4: Just a a warning before I get into this. I don't know why. My notes are so long on this episode. So There's a lot uh, that happens here. There's a lot of synopsis going to happen here.
1: There's a lot of characters.
4: So we open on the Crypt Keeper as a hairdresser and what i really love about this is it's like a sassy version of the crypt keeper i, I have a feeling that uh our friend john Cassier was having a good time with that um and so then once we get into the actual story we open on a morgue as the detective pulls a rotting corpse out of the uh the shelves whatever that's called to pull out the body it's rotting uh and he's showing it to a man named roger roger is the president of a chemical company and the body is of an associate of his named Dan. The body's covered with some kind of goo, which Roger identifies as a preservative. His chemical company is going to release soon. And the man had the preservative shot directly into his neck. According to the detective, his head won't rot for a hundred years. The preservative comes from a plant that grows in the Amazon. And in the man's pocket, there's a note that says, I have not forgotten or forgiven. And there are symbols drawn on the body. The detective shows Roger a picture of Roger with Dan and two other men. And Roger says it was taken in the rainforest a few years back when they were researching this chemical. And he also mentions that one of the men named Alex died on that trip. And that's when the detective asked, Do you have any enemies with access to this chemical who might want you dead? Flashback six years earlier in the Amazon. A tribal medicine man hands Roger a bowl full of this glowing purple liquid which Roger feeds to a man in the tribe that's kind of, he's in kind of a box with no front on it. And his friends tell him to stop. But Roger says they're here to learn. He draw symbols on the man's chest. They put the man in the box by closing it up, bury him in the grave. And his friend said, we shouldn't be doing this. And this is a dark path, but Roger is excited for the opportunity. We don't know what the opportunity is yet though. So back in the present or, or, 1990s present. Roger comes home to a house that's been completely trashed. There's furniture thrown everywhere, and the words, I have not forgotten or forgiven, is spray painted on the wall. And Roger notices a doll that kind of looks like him sitting on the back of a chair. Half of the doll is normal. It's got a suit on, got Roger's hair color. The other half is a red devil, and there's pins sticking all in it. The detective comes to the house to talk to Roger, Roger says, so he knows where I live, and the detective tries to get him to leave town for a while while they investigate But Roger says, we're, we're launching this new product. I can't leave. Again, the detective asks if there's anyone who would want to hurt him, and Roger says, nobody. But after the detective walks away, he adds, nobody alive. Flashback again to the Amazon. The men are dipping flowers into the glowing liquid, and Roger arrives and says that we need to leave. There's some problem with our passports. Uh, But one of the men, Alex, who we mentioned earlier, will not be leaving with them. He'll be leaving separately. And then Roger walks away from them, goes back to the tribesmen, and Alex is in that box like the man earlier. Uh, Roger tells Alex that the tribe demanded a sacrifice in exchange for the glowing purple liquid, and Alex is that sacrifice. Roger forces him to drink the liquid while Alex begs him to stop, and the tribesmen close the box and put Alex in the ground as he screams. So when he said Alex died on that trip, a little bit more to the story. <laughs> At Roger's office, he's meeting with a reporter to talk about this new product. He says it will keep food fresh forever and is completely safe. Famine will be banished from the earth. And he shows the reporter some apples that were picked two years earlier and treated with the chemical. They're still completely fresh, they delicious, and so this preservative... Uh, mainly could make him a lot of money but also he has all of these good things he's supposedly going to do with it another one of the men working in the office is named colin and he tells roger that they're having trouble with the fda and putting a hold on the approval of the new product because of dan's death and made him kind of twitchy about it all roger through this whole thing has been having a headache he's been taking a lot of aspirin he's sweating pulling at his collar and uh Colin says, Roger, you need to talk to Kevin. That's the fourth man who went to Brazil with them. Colin says, Kevin could cause trouble for us if the killer finds him. And then Colin says, half of Roger is not a nice guy, and karma could come crashing down on him. So Roger goes to Kevin's apartment. Place is kind of a mess. There's some like uh, South American music playing on the stereo, and there's a puddle of that glowing liquid on the floor. And we pan up from that puddle, to see Kevin's bloated body. There's a syringe full of that liquid jammed into his neck. There's a note pinned to his shirt that says, of course, I have not forgotten or forgiven. So Roger comes back to the office. He's furious. He tells Colin that Kevin is dead and Roger thinks that Colin set him up to find him. So Roger, like, he goes full crazy man and slams Colin all over the place and slams his head down onto a table, blood everywhere, kills him. And when he kills him, there's a clapping that comes from the hall. And Roger sees Alex, the supposed dead man from six years before, standing in the shadows. Roger says, you're dead. And Alex says, nobody really dies in these voodoo rituals that I've gone through. They're just raised over and over. And then Roger or Alex steps into the light. And we see that his body is a corpse's body. It's gray. It's rotting. And Roger tells Alex that he had to do it. And then Alex shows him a couple sheets of paper. One of them being these notes about not forgiving or forgetting. And another being something that uh, Roger had written earlier in the day. The handwriting is the same. Now, just a side note. I don't know why he didn't recognize his own handwriting on multiple notes. Beside <laughs> the point.
1: Nor why the detectives didn't bother to check his didn't handwriting. Check. There's a lot of,
4: yeah. of hand waving. That's well, what, well, what we do here. Well,
3: were they kind of insinuating that his dark half, I guess, writes differently than he does? Maybe. I don't know.
4: Maybe, But either way, that's the that's the point that we're getting at is Alex says that Roger is the killer and that his dark half has been on the loose without him even knowing. So he's the one who killed those people. He's the one who's been causing trouble. And Alex says, I've had six years to get this curse right. And I finally beaten you. And Roger's office has all of these like um, display pieces from around the world. And he picks up a, a spear or sword on display He stabs Alex in the stomach and then chops his head off and then leaves the bodies laying in the floor. We find out uh, for someone to discover later. Back at Roger's house, a doctor comes in. Roger says, I have a problem. And the doctor picks up that uh, doll that was left at his house earlier. He says, yeah, you do. The doctor says it's voodoo. And Roger begs him to fix it. The doctor says the treatment is problematic. But Roger says you have to fix it. So the only treatment is to kill the curse by destroying the evil half of the person attached. The doctor says it will probably kill him in the process, but Roger says to do it anyway. And so we see him like strapped down to a table shirtless. There's candles burning everywhere. There's music. And the doctor comes in to perform the ritual in full like ceremonial garb. And we fade out on Roger screaming. So then in a dark room with the camera to the side, we see Roger calling the office. He The woman on the phone says there are police there, they're asking about the bodies, but Roger just says to get a container of that new preservative and bring it to him in a syringe. The woman shows up, she tries to turn a light on, but Roger stops her, and she brings him that chemical in the syringe and flicks on a lamp. We see that the uh, doctor was successful in killing Roger's evil half, but they also killed half of his body, which is now dead and rotting, The evil half has been destroyed, but now his body must be preserved by his own chemical that his company is producing. And then we get our little tag with the Crypt Keeper. He's still a sassy hairdresser, and he asks if you want bangs, and he pulls out a gun, fires it, a little flag pops out that says bang. So, (laughs) yeah, good stuff. That's Gamp.
1: All right. Thank you, Jody. All right, Devin, uh,
2: why don't you start Mm -hmm. us off?
1: What did you think of this episode?
2: Oh, I had all, I have, I have all kinds of feels. Um, so the Crypt Keeper extra gay and <laughs> as a gay, I, I love the camp. So it was just like, cause I, he's always kind of gay to me. And then, then he just added it and it was extra. So that was funny. And I was, of course, I don't know. It sets the stage right for the whole episode. So I just would say, I loved the extra gay. It was extra camp. It was funny. Um, worst part about the episode though scariest part about the episode i would say is him asking people to get bangs though if they want bangs don't get bangs um uh so there were a lot of things right off the bat that when it comes to the voodoo stuff i've got all kinds of information if you want to break into that yes please okay so um first and foremost nothing at all like what you see on, on on in this episode i'm sure you're shocked Um, And some of the language, though, was really interesting. So um, at one point they referenced it as Macumba voodoo, and that's something towards the end. And so Macumba is actually a term that is used. It's actually kind of a derogatory term, if if I understand correctly. Um, And it's used to describe three different Afro-Caribbean religions that spring up in uh, Brazil and in parts of South America. And so it, those are, let's see, it's Kimbanda, Umbanda, and then there's another one that's kind of off. It's more of a lighter thing. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's, so those are the three big ones. But in Brazilian culture, if I remember correctly, Macumba was just kind of the term that was really kind of used to be like, oh, this is nasty, dark magic, black magic, anything that wasn't of the church, right? So it, it's, it's something that, um, It's not used like the term and the location they're pulling from. That's not necessarily inaccurate. Um, So I can say that that was interesting. Um, They do reference a a spirit that is uh, a very big part of of Kimbanda, which is Eshu. And um, now, and of course, in, in the episode, Eshu is described as like the the, the kind of the two halves, and and you could have put them together and, or fight the one. And um, that's all wrong. Um, Eshu is a trickster god. Eshu is a very, very trickstery spirit. Um, he's actually, a, a, in some traditions, there's versions of the devil that are Eshu. And Eshu is everyone, I mean, again, depending on the tradition, everyone has an issue. So that is an interesting thing. I, I feel like... They did talk to somebody who had some knowledge of what was going on down there um, because there is this notion in these traditions when you go get initiated that you have a basically a a male figure spirit and a female figure spirit and they both uh, help guide you in your life and your male figure is the issue and so and there's everybody has a different issue. Uh my eshu is is a really trippy. They, they're each like you go and you find out. Whether, I think there's seventy something, seventy two of them, um, and you could go out and you figure out through a reading by a priest who your particular eshu and palmajira are, and so go and you find out and mine is a very interesting little 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 boy version who has a skeleton mask on and that's his his thing. So he's he's a little trickster guy. Um but yeah, so uh the, those things were there and that was interesting. Um and I can say that obviously like I said there had to have been inspiration taken from the real life events that go on in and Makumba, Um but it, obviously totally wrong. Totally wrong. Like <laughs> it's disgustingly wrong like uh, so at the so we were talking kind of before but like cheech marin is the voodoo doctor um that shows up at the end to make everything better and um that whole that whole thing is is a whole like mind-numbing experience first of all uh because it's cheech marin so you're kind of taken off back because suddenly just i don't know where there's the cheech is walking through the door um and it also felt like oh uh, we we have this Hispanic actor close enough to Brazil. Let's just slap him in the role. So it kind of felt like a little bit like that. Um, but then you have the experience of him showing up to do the ritual. And he, he looks like a member from the cast of the Broadway version of the lion King. Like he's got this <laughs> yeah. whole thing going on and yeah. it doesn't fit. Yeah. Like it's not. Yeah.
1: So he's that like was flying a, through the room and the lights are all changing colors. Suddenly the doors open.
2: That yeah, was red. It was, yeah, it was we're in a yellow all of a sudden, like yeah. you're waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was a trip, but you know, I would, so, that was all what it is. But the uh, there, the occult truth behind zombies is is a whole other bag of, of things that actually have nothing to do with that particular culture. So that's a whole other bag of worms in itself um, that we don't have to get into necessarily, but unless you all want to, but the zombies, it, that's a very specific part of a very specific regional thing um, that kind of got swept into the mythos and part of the culture and then exists in that way. Um, but that has nothing to do with a, a weird electric, blue, purple liquid thing um, that <laughs> Came out of a cool flower. That was a whole experience. Um, yeah. So that's my my occult uh, rundown. Uh, plenty of inspiration. They obviously took from things. There was some sort of base knowledge of what's going on down there in Brazil. But as Hollywood do, very very wrong. Yeah. All right. Mondo, what did you think
1: of this episode?
3: Wait, I have to follow that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked it. I liked it overall. Like anytime you give me Clancy Brown, I'm a pretty happy guy. Uh, I, I think Clancy Brown's just one of those guys that really choose a lot of scenery. And he was just, you know, mm-hmm. at, at kind of his best here, just having a good time and having a good having a good one. I like Martin Cove in it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Martin Cove, even if that Cobra Kai series is bullshit. But uh Oh, I like the Cobra oh. Kai series. Oh no, I absolutely love it. I just love it because of its cheesiness. Oh, I shouldn't say it's bullshit. I love the cheesiness of it oh um, yeah, yeah yeah that's all well, it's a, definitely it's, cheesy it's a show with
1: its tongue firmly in its
3: cheek oh well, i i just yeah, did not get off topic but i just love the fact that like they act like this karate is life or death in this town yeah Meanwhile, i have yeah. all these kids right. that just, I just don't give a shit about karate yeah and they're just living yeah. their lives normally like, if cobra kai succeeds the town is doomed like no no it, it'll be fine i just <laughs>
1: <laughs> right it's not it's not even a town it's like one borough in uh, los yeah. angeles <laughs> yeah
3: no one outside that borough even knows what's going on like it's <laughs> right it's fine um uh but yeah overall i really enjoyed the episode i i like i always like the the, the makeup first of all the makeup of the the zombie so to speak reminded me of lucio fulci's zombie right away uh yeah. with those clay faces and everything and i absolutely love uh love that special effect style they did uh pack a lot into this 26 minutes mm-hmm. uh, they packed a ton and i, think I Took a, a a swig of a drink and like missed half the episode. Um,
1: <laughs> well, if you notice the most crypt episodes, they're like the least like, the first minute or so is usually like some slow panning montage like shot yeah. where they're like showing the credits and kind of easy. win. this one yeah. starts off immediately They're because they right right every in. second. Right. I, mm-hmm. I still
3: think the whole thing, though, was it was a good Tales in the Crypt episode. Twist and turns. Lots of fun. Some, some some hammy acting, which I absolutely adore because it's just a perfect, we've said it before, it's a perfect um, backdrop for that kind of acting. Uh, so I, this this gives a thumbs up for me. All
4: right, Judy. Yeah, this is, so we talk about the comic every week. This is a comic I remembered. Like, I remembered reading this as a kid. Uh, my grandpa had some of the reprints of Tales from the Crypt that came out, I think, in the 90s. Uh, he was a, a big-time collector and so i remember reading this story as a kid so i I knew what our inevitable end would be you're gonna have a half dead man uh but man this one went all over the place in between (laughs) the beginning and the end and when we get to the comic comparison you'll see this is sometimes they add a little bit to the story they added a ton (laughs) like this is a whole different story other than uh, a few elements but, that said, I thought it was a really fun episode, uh, it moved along really fast, I always get a little bit, you know, unsure of where things are going when I know the voodoo element's going to come in, because in Tales from the Crip Land, voodoo is just uh, the catch-all for any, like, black magic-y stuff going on, like, it's dark magic, so it's voodoo. Um, sometimes it comes across, No, I'm a little racist, a little oh, bit uh, uncomfortable. But I think in this particular instance, it was all made up, but it was handled decently well compared to some of the other things that are put out there. Uh, uh, I, I, feel, I feel
3: like in that, they definitely showed, they didn't really show the, the tribe so much using these, this magic for any nefarious means. It was all the uh, uh, the, the antagonists doing it.
4: Right, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they took this and used it for their own means for whatever it was. Uh, there may be a, maybe too much story for 26 minutes, honestly, but that's okay. Um, It moved along at a fast clip. Like Mondo said, uh, Clancy Brown is always fun to watch. He plays a guy that can look just kind of creepy all the way around. Like everything he does can be a little creepy, but then you see him in another role where he's not supposed to be creepy, and it's hard for me to take him seriously. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um it, 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 I always it, love
3: him. He reminds you of everyone had that friend growing up whose dad was like super nice to them, but you also thought like he also might have eighteen bodies buried in the basement. Right. And yeah, that's right, Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, overall, uh I enjoyed it. Lots <laughs> lots of good acting, or at least fun acting. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, and, and some great gross makeup. The bodies in this one, like, the, the multiple times we saw corpses, they were all wet. They were all wet and slimy, and... Yeah, it was good. <laughs> right, JT, what
1: did you think of this episode?
0: Um, I personally love anthology. I love the idea of just having a bunch of short stories and just getting through them all really quickly, but it's certain stories like this that really make you wish it wasn't an anthology and just really explore the concept and drove uh pushed the story a bit further because i can nitpick it all day like why what did the note um mean i have not forgotten or forgiven that doesn't make much sense i can nitpick it but it was a really good episode and i just 26 minutes is not enough time to fully explore the story so yeah totally fair i love it and i wish i could have had more of it
1: that's that's not necessarily a bad thing yeah um, this reminds me a lot. And I haven't seen it in a very long time of, uh, the serpent and the rainbow.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can see that.
1: Give me a lot of those vibes. Um, yeah, I, uh, th- this is a kind of a baffling episode on a couple levels. It's really fun, but it really could have used like another draft or two. I think to iron some things out. Um, there's just some lines in here that are really kind of bewildering. Like they pull out the the body in the beginning and like, his his body won't rot for 200 years but he looks like he's been uh, like under the ocean for like a couple <laughs> yeah. of years already so i'm like wait what it, it, <laughs> it wasn't like he was like perfectly preserved and he hasn't like decomposed whatsoever I, he looked
3: I, terrible i think after he gave that line i was like all right now i need another shot of the body and they didn't do it and i was like damn it yeah and they, they must have realized oh shit, we shouldn't show a close-up with his face again <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. right so that was funny the martin cove character was really funny to me he's always like there's that scene where he goes to the crime scene, the house. And at first I thought he was eating like a, a, a couple of ramen noodle cup, <laughs> a couple of noodle. And then it looks like he's eating like a yogurt cup. I'm like,
3: what is he doing? And It always reminds me. There's a trope, like in a lot of movies where it's like the coroner has all these dead bodies mm-hmm. around and he's openly just eating. He's always eating. Always yeah. eating. Always. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I think this might be Clancy Brown, Clancy Brown's best performance. Like, fact that, that kind of like goes like he shows his whole range because at first you seem like okay he seems before you get the flashbacks he seems like an okay guy he seems you know like a decent person and then you kind of see like the whole range of you know of a character so because he usually plays other already demented characters right off the bat mm-hmm. or just a stern mm-hmm. character you don't usually see a range from him within one mm-hmm. uh project um and also, we don't usually get flashbacks in Tales of the Crypt episodes. Yeah. I don't know if there's ever been a flashback per se. Um, that was kind of neat. And actually, I really liked the directing and the cinematography in this episode. Some really cool shots, some cool like crossfades.
3: Yeah, see, um right after we watched this, we watched the prophecy, not even realizing the yes. director the prophecy because it's just <laughs> mm. the other day I wanted to watch it and it's on Paramount, but it's in full screen and chopped up. So I was oh, mad. No. So I had to put my pirate hat on.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, what alluding. <laughs> well, alluding to, this was directed by Gregory Wyden. He directed and wrote The Prophecy. That was his only other directing um, item. But he um, was also the writer behind the Highlander movies. Mm-hmm. He at least wrote the first oh, one cool. and then the rest of them more character buys. He also wrote Backdraft because apparently he was, a, I think it was, he was a firefighter and he saw something similar happen to a friend of his. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So he wrote the movie Backdraft.
3: He also um, wrote
4: this episode too.
3: And he wrote, yes, he directed and wrote this episode. The backdraft was oh. oddly horrifying for me when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Well, I oh, saw yeah. The movie just yeah. oh, yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: Oh, totally. It was like yeah. a horror movie where the villain is fire. Like,
3: no, I, I had nightmares of like opening a door and, and mm-hmm. like, just crazy nightmares over that
2: movie. JT, mm-hmm. so I'm going to to show
1: that to you.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you're, you're 17. <laughs> um, it's
1: cool. Again, the cinematography was Levi Isaacs. He directed, filmed like 16 episodes of tales from the crypt he was behind leprechaun Children the Corn, to texas chainsaw the the next generation and malcolm in the middle <laughs> so he's um done a lot of cool stuff behind the camera
3: i'll stand behind the next generation being underrated but that's yeah a story for another okay. day
1: <laughs> uh clancy brown is like yes. huge legend like already like He's been in over three hundred credits. I don't know if those are all SpongeBob, but he was Mr. Krabs. <laughs> um, we talked; he was in the Highlander series, Pet Cemetery two, Starship Troopers, Shawshank Redemption, and he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. And that's just like one selection of like yeah. many, 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 many movies. In, in, I,
4: I love him in Pet Cemetery too. I was
1: about
3: to yeah. say the same thing. That movie's it's worth just watching. Unhinged. Yeah, that it's, movie's yeah, worth watching because of him.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. Um, Martin Cove again he's been a ton of things obviously from Karate party kid he's also in Death Race 2000 and uh, Rambo 2 and most recently VFW
3: he also has like the squarest head of all time Like, like, (laughs) (laughs) that dude can probably take a punch I'm
1: just saying Mm. Um, just to run down some other cast so Dan who was he was the first victim in the beginning Uh, that's played by Casas Mandalore And he was the guy from uh, Saw 3, 4, 5, and Saw 3D. He was in Picket Fences, and apparently he was a professional soccer player in uh, Australia and Greece. Mm. I did not know that. Uh, Collins, played by Charles Martin Smith, who directed and wrote Dolphin Tale 1 and 2. (laughs) Okay. Um, But he has acted in movies such as American Graffiti, Untouchables, then Deep Impact, um, Alex is played by John Tenney, who was in Beverly Hills Cop 3, Free Willy 2, and more recently in True Detective. And Kevin's played by Brian Wimmer, who was in Less Than Zero, China Beach, and Tank Girl. And, of course, The Doctor is played by Cheech Marin, Up in Smoke, Cannonball Run 2, Beverly Hills Troop, uh, Ghostbusters 2 for that one great line about the Titanic coming back. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much everything uh, Robert Rodriguez has made, such as Dust till, from Dustal Dawn, Desperados, Spy Kids, and Machete.
3: Did, did you ever catch him back in the day on Celebrity Jeopardy? Can't he, say I have. He just smashed everybody. <laughs> he was so <laughs> smart and like this blue. Alex Trebek's like, what the hell's going on here?
1: <laughs> um. So, yeah, I think it's a really good cast. I think the writing could have used a couple drafts to get a little tighter, a little neater. Again, we don't, if he's the one making those notes, doing all the killing, it doesn't make any sense with the meaning of the notes. hmm And why wouldn't the cops check the handwriting on the note to anything else related to anyone related to the victim, especially the guy they bring in to look at his, his employee? Mm-hmm. And the fact that um he calls his office at the end and they say yeah the council talked talk to you about some bodies they found when you have time just come on down to the office <laughs> whenever you're, whenever you're ready just stop by like, hey man that's no that, rush.
3: that's like straight white male america policing that's just how it goes yeah, that's, that's <laughs> white collar policing
1: so again those are int- those are probably unintentionally funny but um again, from a, just a critical perspective, yeah, more Joss would have
3: benefited. Uh, yeah, no,
4: it it be feels good. like he wanted to write something like 35, 40 minutes long, and they said, no, man, you, you've only got 26. Like, ah, let's just cram it in. Let's do it faster. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like he was... Like, he started writing it and realized there wasn't enough content and then came up with a backstory that just provided way too much content, and then he couldn't figure out exactly how to squeeze it all in. However we have to give props because there this was done right after Highlander right and so mm-hmm. the whole chopping of the head off thing oh, yeah. like yeah. Yep. that totally so i i mean i don't know like as a nerd i i, I do appreciate that and it does get extra bonus points yeah absolutely
1: yeah, yeah there's a lo- there's a lot to like in this episode i'll definitely give it that um jodie you want to do the comic comparison
4: yeah so like i said this is one that i remember I remember this issue clearly. It's got like hands coming up from the road while a car swerves out of the way. Uh, Great story about them paving over a cemetery in there. Uh, So lots of good stuff. It's Vault of Horror number 26, September, 1952. Story by Al Feldstein and Bill Gaines. Art by Sid Check, which is not a name I think has come up, but he has a really cool art style. It's, uh, it feels like one of those guys who probably did more of like the war stories and stuff like that. It's that uh, kind of tough guy art. And in this version of it, so like I said there are some similarities, but it definitely takes a different route to get there. Uh, it starts with an undertaker comes to visit a man who's sitting in a dark room at his home. There's a smell of incense in the air, and he, he this man has called the undertaker to do some kind of service for him. And he says, first, I need to tell you my story so you can decide if you want to actually do what I need you to do. And so the man tells a story about how he'd been having some health problems, both mental and physical. And his doctor recommended that he see a, see a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist tells him that he has schizophrenia slash a split personality. Which, once again, 1952, the the... Don't don't take the word on voodoo. Don't take the word on uh, psychiatry either. Schizophrenia is not a split personality. Whatever, it's what this story has going uh,
3: for. I, it. Are you saying mental health wasn't a priority in the nineteen fifties?
4: No. <laughs>
1: well, this is <laughs> Poor mental, man? This is nineteen fifties mental health through the prism of a EC comics. So <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a, that's a hell of a game of telephone.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and and you know, a, a man seeking help uh, for his mental health in nineteen fifty two would be told yes yeah, toughen up and get a drink. Uh, so, uh, he has yeah split personality though. So he starts going to therapy regularly, but at night, another side of him gets up and he goes to clubs and just randomly robs strangers at gunpoint. He beats up women. He does all these horrible things, and uh psychiatrist just is like, don't give in to that, uh, which is great psychological advice. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't, uh, just don't do it.
3: <laughs> okay. he, he, he's,
4: oh, man, hang on real quick, Diversion. There's this great Mad TV sketch where Bob Newhart is a psychiatrist, and uh, he has clients come in. One of them comes in and is like, I have severe anxiety, uh, I, I can't even drive my car. I'm so nervous. And, and Bob Newhart goes, okay, now listen very carefully. This is my advice to you. Stop it. Stop. Stop having that anxiety. You have to go places. You have to drive your car. Stop it. And that's his whole uh, approach is just stop doing all that. So anyway, that's what the psychiatrist does here. Tells him, don't give in to this. But he keeps blacking out and waking up not knowing what happened, but knowing it was something bad. And one day he goes to the psychiatrist Blacks out in the office and wakes up over the psychiatrist's mutilated dead body on the ground. And so knowing that uh, that's not going to be good for him, he gets on a plane and goes where everyone goes when they want to get away from the law. He goes to Haiti. And uh, I don't know why, of all places on earth, he would go to Haiti, but he goes to Haiti. And while he's there, he learns about voodoo, kind of, and goes to see a witch doctor who he asked to destroy the dark, or my evil half. Like, I, I've got this Muncher. evil half. I want you to get rid of it for me. And so the doctor makes a voodoo doll, paints one half black, the other half white, says the black is the evil side of you, the white is the good side of you, and he stabs a big pin through the black half and says the evil's been destroyed. Please pay me $500. Back in the present, uh, the, the man says, that's my story, that's why I need you here. And the Undertaker finally gets tired, uh, there's horrible smells in the air, and he flicks on the light, and the man reveals uh, that the reason he needs them is the Undertaker, or that the Voodoo Doctor killed his evil half, but he also killed the evil half of his body, and it is decaying and rotting, and he needs the Undertaker to embalm that half of his body to preserve it, which is just... Fantastic. This is a great great ending to this. I like that better than uh, mm-hmm. magic goo from the Amazon. Like, we have to embalm half of you is insanity. Yeah, um, I, I,
1: I wish they would have actually done a more straight up uh, revision yeah, uh, I version think so of too. this. I think it would have been a lot. Story
0: I think wise, they added a, a
4: little too much with the yeah. whole Amazon thing and the preservative and all this. That, that's Chemical a lot company. of story. Yeah. Yeah. This well, um, is, that, is a very straightforward story. I have a dark half. I tried to destroy the dark half. It went real bad. Cool. That's enough. Like that's a great story.
3: And, and I love that his main reason is he doesn't like the smell of it anymore.
4: Which is yeah, why. it stinks. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the problem.
3: Uh, the artwork <laughs> in that last panel is phenomenal. Uh-huh. It he was almost yeah, like it is,
1: like, but it's like all gray. And I th- at first I thought he would, like turned into the Terminator or something. Yeah, <laughs> like it looks robotic. The Terminator, yeah, which but is, that, is cool.
4: Honestly, though, what you can. That's like, what he can get away with. For for all the great um, kind of special effects in the episode. I think the gooey like decaying body at the end of the comic actually looks better than Clancy Brown's makeup yeah. at the end of the episode mm-hmm. I wish it would had gone nastier for Clancy Brown at the end yeah
1: but let's let's say I think the MVP of this whole season is probably Todd Masters because he's had so yeah. many great big effects with um, absolutely forever uh-huh. Ambigree. Um, you know
3: there's been some
1: really really cool really gooey icky effects.
3: It's it's one of those um, things where where goo is underrated in horror because yes. uh, I still stand by. Drag Me to Hell is ten times more disgusting with the lack of blood and just the usage of just odd bodily fluids. Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, that scene where the ladies like puke it all over. Yeah,
3: right? yeah. Oh. Let's not talk about that. I'm not to just take get a to break. the mouth.
4: <laughs> I think we've mentioned it before. There was a great movie that came out. Uh, we saw it at Chattanooga Film Fest earlier this year. It's on Screenbox right now. If you want to watch it called Pussy Cake, which is a terrible name, but it's a zombie movie, and these zombies puke this white, milky stuff into people's face, and it is the nastiest... Uh, Man, it's so good, though. um, Milky White. Okay, so one thing I couldn't figure out...
1: So I was trying to understand this episode in my head. So the guy who came back that was voodooed six years ago or given the the, the goo six years ago, so he is trying to... He is he's the one who made the doll of the Clancy Brown character. Mm-hmm. He's trying to kill off his dark half. Is that what's happening in this episode but Clancy Brown's also killing off other people at the same time?
2: I- so it's from what I understood it was supposed to be that he was under a voodoo curse for 6 years and then he got out of the curse and then came basically to wreak revenge. Yeah. And so the, vo- the, 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 it's not even a voodoo doll, but the, the poppet was probably him, was probably his. Um, but then you had Clancy Brown who was doing the whole, um, uh, fight club thing. And that, so I think those were two unrelated things technically. Mm-hmm. Well, that,
4: I, I think there yeah. may have been just a little connective thread because he says at the end, I've had six years to perfect this curse. Mm-hmm. So I think the dark half going wild may have been, Zombie Alex is doing somehow. He like opened up that side of him so that Clancy Brown's character could go nuts. Mm-hmm. I,
1: yeah, I that's the
4: motivations plans. are yes. real messy yeah. there.
3: I, I, unrelated. Now I just pictured Clancy Brown as the lead in Fight Club. I'm like, God, that's like <laughs> I, I love Fight Club. That, that
2: would have been, been cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been cool. Okay, well,
1: not supposed to talk about Fight Club. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. We got anything else or we want to move on to our rating, ra- uh, ratings? No? Okay. Good. 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 All right. Uh Devin, on a scale of one to five, five being the top, one being the uh, least, or zero being the least, you can do half points. What do you give this episode?
2: I'm going to give it a, 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 a 2.8. 2.8. <laughs> Um, And and that's just because I I have friends who are actually voodoo people who are screaming at me. But it 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 would have been a 2.5, but it gets those extra uh, three cents of a point because we have the amazing decapitation scene, which is beautiful. And that was underappreciated. That happened so quickly. Um, But that was really cool. Uh, it had a lot of plants. I like plants. I'm a plant dad myself, so there were plants everywhere. Like the dude's office was amazing, um, and I, I anything at the end of the day, uh, anything that can bring up like a, a connection between multiple of my favorite movies, um, specifically Clancy Brown doing like everything that I love uh, from Starship Troopers to uh, obviously you know this SpongeBob. Um, it all was amazing and so I loved all those things coming together uh, in this one episode before you know it became awesome uh, to me in my own reality so I give it extra points and that was a lot of talk to say (laughs) 2.8 JT what do you give this
0: episode I gotta give give it a 4 I really liked it all around but I took the point off for all the uh, plot holes or um, just the things that weren't really explained or we still have questions about Oh no, I did really like it.
1: So yeah. Right. And I will give this props as being probably the least horny Tales in the Crypt episode. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well it yeah. depends on how you look at it, because that last scene when he's strapped down to that table with Cheech Marin.
1: Okay. That rem- <laughs> <laughs>
3: it, it, it kind of reminded me of that time I saw I met Jason in Los Angeles. It's pretty similar to that scene.
2: I had, well, can- <laughs> I had a lot of candles lit when we met. Well, and there's the in the beginning, their HBO was definitely taking advantage of like boobs. So there were boobs. In the background, if yeah, you're paying attention, National no, no, I noticed group. the boobs. Yeah, well, they weren't. They were Hollywood National Geographic. <laughs> well, groups, yes. So yes. you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, but so there was that bit. But there, it wasn't. It wasn't nearly as horny as some of the other episodes, which are very horny. So yeah, I'm yes. with you on that. All right, Mondo, what do you give this episode?
3: I give it a four. Uh, I'm with. Uh, I think. I think JT likes tales of the crypt more than you do, Jason. Based on <laughs> his, uh, his
1: rating already, but uh,
3: but uh, you give me Clancy Brown at his best, and I, I'm just a sucker mm-hmm. for it, so uh, I, I get all the issues with it. And and, and Devin, I have to ask you are, when you watch movies about the occult, are you like yelling at the screen about all the stuff that you're wrong?
2: No, I actually I love it, okay? I love it because it's, it's, I'm not a guy who takes it so seriously that everything offends me by any means um i love it and this i i i loved again because there were like real connections to it but if if we were to put it in the scale of other of other episodes and we were to like hold that that's where like my number came from i got you. um but legit no like that uh, every all of it's welcome and funny to me and it's hollywood being hollywood and i just don't take any of it seriously i don't think you can especially
3: can. when it comes to horror right yeah I mean, absolutely absolutely love it yeah so uh, i give it a four i like this episode right, jody yeah, I'm going down just a touch because
4: I like the comic so much, and I wish they had pulled a little bit more of that and a little bit less of the like complicated backstory. I want to go three and a half on this one, uh, but I it's it's a fun episode, and you know, uh, you mentioned something about how uh, all the little plot holes and stuff like that. If I was just watching this, I wouldn't notice a single one of them. Like, if we've we got to fill time on this podcast, man. Like, I, I spend the time <laughs> looking for the blood holes. Uh, if, if all I did was just go, that was awesome, it wouldn't be much of a show. So, uh, yeah, I, if, if I was just watching, I wouldn't notice any of these little things, probably. Uh, but since I have to write everything down from an entire episode, I notice way too many. Uh, but yeah, three and a half is, is good stuff. I,
3: I do often wonder, as, as lifelong fans of horror, how and as older older guys at this point, what what do we call it? Uh, you, you said it earlier, Devin, We're uh, oh, elder millennials. Elder uh, millennials. Elder That's millennials. Right.
1: I, I'll, I'll I, I'm considering myself a baby Gen Xer, but
4: I will accept elder millennial. I once heard someone say geriatric millennial, which I will not take. I will, <laughs> no, I will not I curse that, that name. No.
3: I'm we'll not accepting no, but but I wonder how much our brain just fills in plot holes at this point because we're so used to plot holes yeah, in horror, sure. we just accept mm-hmm. them because we, we've we've been grew there. Up in the '80s. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. JT and I
1: watch those these Everything Wrong with videos, and they just kind of like skewer all the stuff that may or may not even be there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah. It definitely, I think we're it, culturally or at least fil- in the film world, we're much more sensitive to those is. things, especially since we can actually like stop and rewind things, or we watch these over and over again. Where wasn't It wasn't that common not too long well,
3: ago. I always say, and I'm also again a super geek, so I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. And Lord, you want to talk about plot holes and storylines? Yes. <laughs> my my brain just fills them in. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense because of A, B, C, D, E, G, whatever. I skipped a letter. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then Joy, did I get you? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, okay, I'm going with. Uh, I'm going
1: through three point five. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you guys brought me up a little bit actually I was when we first were about to do this in my head I had 2.5 but you guys kind of raised me up a little bit just to like just go with it it's fun Um, (laughs) yeah there's definitely issues but Clancy Brown Martin Cove all these guys are just just hamming it up and having fun so sometimes you can have fun with them but we can also uh, acknowledge the flaws but it's still enjoyable All right, let's move to Al's anecdotes take it away
5: Hi, it's Alan. I don't have a whole lot to say about Halfway Horrible. It was one of those episodes where one of the executive producers, Dick Donner here, wanted to test drive a screenwriter as a director because, in the case of Halfway Horrible, Dick had a project pending with screenwriter and aspiring director Gregory Wyden. Greg had written Highlander and Backdraft, so Greg walked in our TV series door of Big Screenwriter. That was his attitude. We couldn't tell him anything. Full transparency, I wasn't a Greg Wyden fan. I found his writing surprisingly unsophisticated. That's a euphemism. Look, dude, at least get the friggin' grammar right. Greg refused to let me do that, and the script needed it. I'm embarrassed to say that we sent out a script that didn't meet our standards. We simply had no choice. Though we got Greg a good cast, Clancy Brown, Costas Mandalore, Charles Martin Smith, Cheech Marin, and John Tenney, it was a challenge. Tenney was the last hire. We got him the day before shooting started. I called him personally. I knew John from Vassar College. I was a senior the year John was a freshman. His second semester, he moved from the dorms to the townhouse that I shared with a bunch of other drama majors. John was my housemate, and as he'd become a known, respected actor, and as I needed a favor... I called an old friend. The episode's okay, but I couldn't help feeling at the time that I was burning that favor. Nothing bad happened, of course, but strange thing, I haven't talked to my friend John Tenney since. See you next time.
1: All right, and we're back. Mondo, thank God you're back to do some Song of the Day.
3: Hey, you, uh, you've been you've been doing some good stuff, Jason. I saw you pick some Merciful Fate. I was like, okay, all right. I
1: think I really have good picks. I just don't have the story to get there that you. Um, I,
3: saw. I don't have a great story this week. You say I that? No, but... I, I I absolutely don't because this is a band that was formed in like 2015 in Italy, and there none of the members have fun stories about all the bands they've been in before. It's it's a rare band that all the members have only played in this one band. And it's an Italian band uh, called Fulci.
4: Okay. N-
3: named after oh, iconic, iconic director Lucio Fulci, who, if you guys don't know, then I'm like the, the biggest fan of Lucio Fulci. And uh, they did a record in 2019. It was their second full length record, but the first one they really just kind of dialed in their tone uh, called Tropical Sun. And the whole album is basically the movie Zombie from start to finish. Oh. Okay, I okay. love that movie. Oh, me too. Just a, a great zombie film. And the reason why I thought of this is because I loved the, the makeup so much. Because the makeup in this movie just reminded me of, of those clay face zombies that have that cool, like you know. And this is I, I love, I love, obviously love our um Argento uh, Romero zombies too. But but I loved in in zombie how they had to set like weird like, remi- buried under sand like deteriorated faces. And uh, so that's why I thought of this. Uh, I thought of this band, and the last record too. The newest record is, is really worth listening to because half of it is uh, death metal, half of it's like synthwave. Mm. Um, a, a really, really good stuff. And even on the um, on this record, the last song is a, a Fabio Frizzi cover of the main theme from Zombie.
2: Cool.
3: but the song I'm going to pick is going to be called uh, "Genetic Zombification." Uh, off the record, Tropical Sun by the band Fulci, who I highly, highly recommend. Just a really good uh, a good slamming death metal band uh, from Italy. Nice. Yeah, I don't have a whole story to that. No, that, that was, I that was a
1: good. That was better than like, oh, uh, let's go with Elvis. No,
3: I like that, though, because there's still some kind of connection. Like I always want to try and find some kind of connection. Yeah, that was
1: much better. All right, and then Jody, give us some uh, horror news.
4: Okay, so we've got some business news to start with. Ooh, uh, horror's been making a ton of money lately. If you haven't been paying attention, like the m- the movies bringing in the most money at the box office have been horror movies, like Smiles to Terrifier Two. Uh, the menu just came out, and I think it's doing pretty well. So there's a lot of horror making money. So of course the studios want to make more money because that's their whole thing. And so Paramount. Has brought over Walter Hadama to oversee their horror movie section. And he's the, he's produced Friday the 13th and a Nightmare on Elm Street remakes, which I'll mm. forgive him for that. Uh, but mm. he did The Conjuring <laughs> uh, and all the various Conjuring spinoffs. He did the 2017 It. So he has a lot of history with horror. And so his mandate is to release several mid budget horror films for theater and streaming every year. So basically, make more horror movies, okay? So that's a Paramount. But then over at Universal, James Wan and Jason Blum are looking to merge Blumhouse Productions and Atomic Monster, which is uh, James Wan's production company, to make like a horror mega company. Oh, my. And uh, if this was to go through, uh, after merging, the parties will uh, expect that Atomic Monster and Blumhouse – will continue to operate as separate labels but uh, with their own kind of creative identity. But because of the infrastructure that Blumhouse has, Atomic Monster is going to have more opportunities, more money. They can scale up their ideas bigger. Uh, They've already worked together on some stuff. Uh, I think uh, Megan, the the upcoming movie next year, Mm M3GAN, about the Robo Girl, Uh, they're they're already talking about even a sequel to that, even though it hadn't come out yet. I think they're hoping it's going to do well. And they also hope to expand into uh, horror-related games, live entertainment, audio stuff, like that uh, Jordan Peele podcast that started last week, I think. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened yet. I need to. And also with that, Blum is pushing for Blumhouse to make at least eight horror movies for release in theaters each year. They normally put out three or four a year. And they want to put out eight per year. And as long as they can keep the quality up, I am 100% down for more horror movies in theaters. Same Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Put my, them all year long.
3: My now. only fear is that it becomes like a, a Roger Corbin situation. Where yeah, they're just trying don't to water make it stuff down. Don't and, get cheap. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, the thing is, Blumhouse's bread and butter has always been low-budget horror movies. That is true. And so, you know, they know how to make a small-budget stretch. So well, I'm hoping... That's a good thing.
3: We talked about it a lot, but, man, Terrifier 2, $250,000 budget.
4: Yeah. And, that's and insane. and yeah.
3: yeah. Insane. Yeah. And, and I think that even people that maybe don't like the Terrifier movies, and I get it, it's cool, but I think you have to respect what they've done and how that many doors that's going to open for horror in the future.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And, of course, the studio execs are seeing all that money coming in and they want to capitalize on yeah. it. But mm-hmm. from a fan perspective, more horror being made, I'm down. Like keep banking.
2: I what do y'all oh. think about if I can? Since we're since we're talking about Blumhouse and all these things, what do y'all think about? For me, I keep saying everything seems to be franchise, 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 and there aren't a whole lot of one offs in the way that there we cool. used to see one offs.
4: I know that with the uh, the thing going on at Paramount with Walter Mata, they are specifically trying to do more original stuff and less franchises, Mm -hmm. like Smile. Smile apparently made a crap ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. And I I watched it uh, a couple days ago. I thought it was pretty good. Like, not my favorite movie ever, but pretty decent. And uh, I think they're trying to make more original movies like that.
1: Yeah, I think we've had an interesting balance this year of franchise and non-franchise. The one Mm -hmm. end you have, like, Barbarian and Smile. uh, Smile, Mm -hmm. Bodies, bodies, bodies. But then you have uh, Predator, Mm-hmm. You know, uh or prey come out and, and did really well it was really well done the as, new screen as, movie in, this part year of new screen was, movie. Yeah.
3: but even prey being part of a franchise though, it felt so different from the rest of the yes, franchise exactly that was, yeah.
1: so that that was an example of how you could be you could utilize the franchise recognition which they all love did the built in audience but do something original and you know not repeating the same as what came before
3: I, i'm in for uh-huh. both my, my only issue with franchises are when they make an original movie. It does so well, and they force a the sequel. Like, right. the, the sequel makes no sense and has no tie. Really, like they're like, all or, right,
4: or or if they make like a really good Halloween movie, and then they feel like I need to make two other movies, and one of them's okay, <laughs> and the other one's garbage. You know, like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck out, <Yeah. up. laughs> fuck out of here, Joe. Uh, um,
3: but, <laughs> like yeah, if they
1: saw, I think, oh, I would think that most of us would have good enough BS barometers. So if they try to make Barbarian Two, we'd all be like, no. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Barbarian no,
3: no. electric no. boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: All
3: right, a couple of other quick
4: things here. Um, the director—they're making a new Constantine movie. I, mm-hmm. I thought of that since you mentioned him earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keanu Reeves coming back, the whole thing. And the director said this time he wants to make a like straight up R-rated horror movie, not uh, you know the PG-13 action stuff. So it, excited. It's a
1: good director. It's uh, Francis. Or Frank, uh, uh, the guy who did like the first Hunger Games movie.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, He's I, doing a bunch of other stuff. So, so, so t- talking about Constantine, I've never seen Constantine. Should I watch Constantine?
2: It's good. I mean, the movie's okay. good. It's nothing like the comics, though. I, mean, I it think is that was the,
4: ma- the main complaint, that it didn't fall yeah, into the comics. It's, but, the yeah.
2: comics are way better, like way better. Okay. There's way more going on. And if you jam to comics, you will look at the movies and be like, what the fuck is going on here but uh and and because like constantine's blonde like that's a whole thing Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of his character and it just it's just very different very different vibe um has an accent that keanu reeves never does an accent because he has like two Uh two characters that he plays (laughs) um but and i love him i love keanu reeves
3: i I love keanu reeves too but people like he's an amazing actor i'm like yeah he knows he knows what he can do and i respect that yeah
4: yeah. And sometimes he gets cast in Dracula and has to be British, and it just hey, doesn't he,
3: work he, out. Yeah. He does jujitsu, He's, so he and I are cool. So it's fun. Yeah. yeah, no,
4: I, I love Keanu. Like, no complaints about him. But yeah, he he knows his place in in acting.
3: No, yeah. I, I've never read the comics. I, I'll I'll probably check it out. It's been on my list for forever.
2: Yeah, comics are amazing. Constantine as a movie is it's it's always in my top like ten, and it's because of the the way that it was filmed. It's because of the way that the like the cgi was done especially at the time it was amazing wow um and there's some cool stuff in there that totally gives me the hee- i mean i watch it you know i've seen it a million times and i still get the heebie-jeebies when, when, yeah. I when in the theater, shows up. yeah i saw the theater
1: yeah i saw the theater and I've been, i haven't seen it since cause i i don't know I, I have a feeling it might not hold up as well at least what what i remember it being
2: yeah it's, it's you know, I mean, you got to forgive. It's, it's always like whenever we watch something from 10 years ago, you always have to forgive mm-hmm. the yeah. graphics and you have to oh, forgive yeah. the things. But I I don't know. There's something that I do like. I, I I heard that the second one was coming out and that he wanted to reprise his role. And there was mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff there because he has a connection to it. I know he's he's spoken about it a couple times. So that'll be cool to see him get to do that. But what parts of the first movie are going to be there to show off again, and who's going to come back? Like, are we going to get uh, what Tilda Swinton as um, the Gabriel again? You know, things like that. so. Yeah. There's just there's there's they had a really good cast. Like, so we'll see how it goes. But it was it is a good movie. If you haven't seen it, go see the movie.
3: But the comics are better. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do both. I'm gonna yeah. watch a movie and then read the comics.
4: Yes, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, more director news. Uh, Radio Silence, the team behind the new Scream movie and Ready or Not, is going to be directing a reboot of Escape from New York. Uh, mm-hmm. there's not much more information uh. beyond that, but I here's the thing I would be more nervous about it if it wasn't Radio Silence. I do like them a lot, they have done some <sighs> good stuff. I know. It's, it's it's a tough. great movie. It does not need to be messed with. Well,
3: if I was them, the first thing I would do is call John Carpenter and say, "Will you score the movie?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I seriously yeah. mean that. Yeah. Like just no, having no, him yeah. on the score, I think would be amazing, and that would immediately mm. give me buy into it. Like I'll I'll still watch it because yeah, I having mean,
4: John Carpenter on board for the new Halloween, I think, was a big thing about that too.
3: Mm-hmm. That
4: he was involved. So if there's some way to just get him involved, I think that here's
1: would, here's yeah. what I think they should do. It, let's say the movie has like a $5 million budget. They should restrict themselves to only actually using $1 million of that to actually make the movie to give that really low budget feel of the original and give the rest of the $4 million to John Carpenter to do the score.
3: <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I feel like that'd be a, a weird asking price <laughs> to do the score. <laughs> <Right, right. laughs> that shouldn't be your first offer to somebody to do a score. So uh, I feel like, Jason, you should not be a, a finance. You shouldn't be a producer. <laughs> no, I should not be a producer.
4: <laughs> All right. A couple other quick ones. Uh, Netflix released a clip from its animated horror series, Junji Ito Maniac, Japanese Tales of the Macabre, uh, that comes out in January. So it's an animated Junji Ito show on Netflix.
3: Oh, shit. Okay.
4: Uh, the clip looks good. I love Junji Ito. Uh, I'm. He suddenly kind of had this little revival. Like, I see his stuff in bookstores all the time. Dude, but my. But he's so weird. Dude, like, my, I don't understand. So weird.
3: My, my, my daughter came home one day with a couple Junji Ito books and now has Junji Ito yeah. tattoos. And I'm like, what the. When the fuck do people realize that this guy exists again? And yeah, I, when did I, this I, become popular? I, I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying, no. like, that's good.
4: good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I bought a copy of Tommy like 20, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And then I. I nobody had heard of him and then all of a sudden it's all over the place
3: no uh, m- my daughter's like you know who junji ito is i'm like uh yeah like yeah like yeah, like, yeah I was before you were born <laughs> do,
4: you ever, do, you ever, do you ever feel like your kids underestimate you on these things like the other night my daughter spent the night with a friend and they usually watch horror movies and she was like yeah we couldn't find anything to watch i'm like and you didn't text me i can list you like 20 movies right now come on
3: this no, is my uh, this
4: is my place to shine. Uh,
3: um, my my daughter came over la- on, on Friday for last Friday for um no this past Friday yes for uh well no whatever whenever this game released the the yes. Friday before this game released uh for for dinner and we watched Nope and she got really mad that I fell asleep for the last thirty minutes so uh,
1: that was your first time watching it too wasn't it
3: Yeah yeah and, and not that's a bad you no know, I really enjoyed the whole thing I was, just a long day
4: sometimes you're yeah. just sleeping yeah. I'm, it's, I'm, it's a, I'm,
3: I'm almost forty, and it was a long day. That's all it was. But she was yeah. really mad. But I, look, I remember the one time though. She goes, she goes, Dad, have you ever watched the thing? And I'm okay. like, oh yeah. She goes, that oh. movie is terrifying. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Okay,
1: hold on. We got a thing story right here. <laughs>
3: okay, I couldn't get past the part with the dogs. Okay.
1: <laughs> you know that at the dog kennel scene. Uh, uh, it, it's it's rough. Do
4: it after that. It's probably the hardest thing to get through.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was that was like what two
0: three years ago. Was it in 2020,
1: I know it was that. in much. 2020, yeah. yeah. So, like too, still. so, it's been a little while, but yeah, I was like, okay, got <laughs> it.
0: Yeah. I found your limit. <laughs> that was uh, beginning of summer
1: 2020.
3: Yeah, if I was gonna remake the thing, the, the dog kennel scene, it wouldn't have been like an Arctic wolf, it'd have been like a pug, just something like <laughs> uh, overly adorable that no one could ever sit through watching it.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. are you do you think you're ready to try it again? No, yeah, okay. Still trying to recover from the (laughs) scars. I think every horror fan goes to that phase though when you're like trying to figure out what you like, what you don't, and you like bump into something, you're like, okay, that's it right there.
4: (laughs) I do not like that. Yeah. 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 All right, two more quick pieces of news. Um, since we are a dad-centric podcast. Uh, If you have middle-aged, or middle-aged, (laughs) middle-grade readers in your home, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark is going to be launching some middle-grade novels and graphic novels. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Tale of the Grave Mother is coming out in June of next year, and that's a middle-grade reader. And then The Witch's Wings and Other Terrifying Tales is a graphic novel coming out next fall. So, for the dads who want to raise spooky children, uh, there's something for them to read. (laughs) And then finally... This is a theme we have been talking about for a while in this horror news segment. There's a new trailer released for another public domain property uh-uh. being made into a horror movie. This one is Gale, as in Dorothy Gale, Stay Away from Oz. Oh, no And way. Uh, this is a dark ris- Wizard of Oz public domain. It's uh, Dorothy's an old woman and her granddaughter's getting pulled into this twisted Wizard of Oz world. And to be fair... The Wizard of Oz is prime territory for horror. If you've never mm-hmm. watched Return to Oz, that stuff is scary as hell. Yeah, I was uh, saying there so, already is a horror uh, Yes, Oz
3: it's movie. already scary. Well, dude, the beginning of Wizard, Wizard of Oz is a poor fucking witch getting killed, and then some bitch stealing her shoes. Like, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> No, that's okay.
4: <laughs> but just to, just to recap here. So we have Gale, stay away from Oz. We have Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Is that
3: out yet, by the way? That Winnie <sighs> the Pooh? Should be I'm soon. So excited about that. soon. I that I was before the end of the year. You know, I watched a trailer and I was blown away by how good it looks. I was like, "Oh, it doesn't
1: look
4: bad." Yeah, it they look act, bad.
3: Like, like they—they're using a gimmick, but they're actually trying. I'm like, "All right, yeah. I'm gonna fucking yeah. watch this." And, and the Grinch one has. Uh, yeah, I was gonna was say the other one, one the Grinch, David the Hayden. mean one. Yeah, the mean one has David Howard Thornton from Art the Clown.
0: I
1: would. I think it'd be better. I might. It might. Style or uh, quality wise, it might have been
3: better to do like an anthology.
1: So you just get sure, like 15 20 a minutes I, i'm curious if these can be
3: stretched the whole movies but this is why you do what you gotta do this is why you're not a producer jason <laughs>
4: yeah and also don't forget peter pan neverland nightmare
3: what but
4: yeah no yeah you weren't here uh there's my horror no, news last week I, I think peter pan neverland nightmare from the producers of winnie the pooh blood and honey oh, shit, okay. um i love yeah, this but, you i love know, all honestly it. me too I, i'm all for it like Taking these sure. things and public domain mm-hmm. stuff and remixing them, twisting them around. We've done that with old stories forever. How many versions of, like, the Christmas Carol are there out there?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, and and sometimes you get creative. Sometimes you get scrooged. And sometimes you get, like, there was a horror version of it that came out on the BBC a couple of years ago. Like, I take these old properties that have been sitting around for a 100 years and do something cool with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it. it. Even if some of them are garbage, but you know that's mm-hmm. movies some Speed, movies are garbage <laughs>
3: speaking of old properties uh, hbo max just did that uh that new christmas story movie oh yeah, yeah.
4: christmas story story or
3: something a like fucking that. unwatchable like yeah, un- I unwatchable i came home and my my wife was watching it and we m- made it through another 15 minutes i'm like this is one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life
1: <laughs> all right well thank you jody uh, moving on to dad advice, this will be coming out the weekend of uh, Thanksgiving, so I thought we'd get in the spirit a little bit and go around and give any uh, hollow, uh, Thanksgiving <laughs> uh, cooking advice or what your favorite dishes are or any uh, Thanksgiving, um, just talk Thanksgiving, man. Let's just okay. talk some turkey. Talk some turkey.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll start here because I love cooking and I love cooking at Thanksgiving. I like making the turkey, and I'll be making the turkey this year for our, like, my extended family. Uh, it's just, it's fun. I enjoy it. I like seasoning it and making. I, I will say, I've had people say, i would never like turkey. I don't like turkey at Thanksgiving. It's bland, it's boring. But your turkey? I like your turkey. So that makes me happy. I also make cranberry sauce, and I get the exact same reaction. I don't like cranberries, but I like your cranberry sauce.
3: J- Jody uh, laces that shit with PCP, which is why. But it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got
4: to give M- M- people M- what they M- want. <laughs> give
1: them what they won't. Jody, what's your method? What's your seasoning method for your turkey?
4: So I'm a dry briner. Ooh. I yeah. like to uh, yeah. night before, rub that thing down up under the skin, on top of the skin with a big mix of spices. The mix of spices, I don't know what it'll be until I'm – tearing through my cabinet figuring it out like I, I whatever kind of strikes my fancy at the moment rub it down sit it in the fridge overnight uncovered you have to kind of just let it sit there and dry in the fridge and it comes out so good i don't you, like you, a, i don't like a ju- turkey to be too juicy and so doing that keeps it from being like drippy wet it's just it's juicy without being too much you kind like
3: you kind of like ben shapiro and you enjoy a dryer
4: Mm, I okay. will not say I'm kinda like Vince Pirro on anything. <laughs> 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 do I you do like a citrus turkey. in your dry rub? Um not usually, but I, I have played with it so. It's not it's not my go to.
3: Londa? Oh, I'm I'm a breast man, so we make a turkey breast because there's only three of us. So we make a full size turkey. Like we have Fair. 10 leftovers man th- Dude I can't eat 10 pounds of turkey in a, like a 2 I week period a, I have a 25 pound turkey this year Oh my god yeah, but, have, but but my family is me my wife my daughter and and now she's moved out yeah. we're going to a friend's house this year for uh, for Thanksgiving but uh my, my favorite thing to make is a bourbon vanilla cranberry sauce uh, So that sounds uh, good Yeah it's pretty very, good Very
4: very uh, pro real cranberry sauce
3: Yes me too like um and don't get me wrong like I like that weird can shaped tube of cranberry sauce all day long. Give me that. I'm a happy guy. Oh yeah.
4: I'll eat a slice of that every year too.
3: But no, my specialty is, is making some bourbon vanilla cranberry sauce. And the best part about it is you get to you know, you just pour a little bit too much bourbon. So you got to drink some yourself to make sure it's okay. So that's my favorite part about it. But uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I do the Turkey. My wife does. She makes cranberry sauce from scratch. And we kind of split it, split it up on the sides. But I'm a huge like Jason like, dry brine fan. I've got a sixteen and a half pounder um, defrosting, and I, I usually try to get like a lemon zest to give it a little uh, sweetness, a little something, a little something extra. But then usually salt and brown sugar and some garlic and then some other herbs, and I usually mix it in with uh, a ton of butter and just kind of slather mm-hmm. the whole thing inside and out with butter. Uh, I
3: and think I think if we do turkey this year, we're gonna spatchcock it where you yeah. tear the spine out and just flatten it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, it
2: yeah, that, that helps you cook it much, much quicker.
3: We oh, did that JT. a couple
2: years ago. It worked out pretty nice.
3: Came too. out good. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: JT, uh, what are you
2: looking forward to for Thanksgiving?
0: All right. Mondo, I appreciate your help with the four out of five earlier, but I got to disagree with you on the leftovers, <laughs> leftovers, <laughs> leftovers, leftovers, leftovers. Uh,
3: <laughs> Dude, that's it's, my boy. D- well, yeah. well, you can't make too yeah. much Thanksgiving. No, you can't. Hundred percent. So British. two things. Also, like again, I, I travel out for work. So week after Thanksgiving, that Monday, I'll be back on the road. So it'll be just my okay. wife at home. Mm-hmm. She's not going to go to ten pounds of uh, of turkey and all kinds. No, I love leftovers. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> it's just I also have to be realistic on what's. I don't want. I don't want to be wasteful and have a bunch of food go to waste in my house. Mm-hmm.
1: The trick is to make extra, extra, extra gravy because even when like the stuffing starts to dry out, just the
0: gravy will like, rehydrate that down. Yeah, dude, yeah. but
3: but meat eventually goes bad and then you shouldn't eat oh, yes. it because yes.
0: <laughs> Not if you use the blue goo from this episode. There you go. It's <laughs> oh, <that's>
3: true. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Someone was paying attention.
3: Yeah. Injected yeah. right. with some smucker's blueberry preserves <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, Devin, what are you looking forward to? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? uh i i do all the cooking for thanksgiving um i will absolutely admit and i'm freaking out right now as i realize this i don't have my turkey yet uh so that'll be happening first thing in the morning i'll be checking <laughs> out to figure out where one of those is going to come from you
4: still got um, a few days you got you got a good yeah, time i
2: think i'll be okay i hope i will um but we do thanksgiving for like our friends who are kind of misfits and don't have anywhere to go awesome. um that's yeah. We're, that's just kind of our tradition. So I'll have a bunch of people over, and we will play lots of games and drink and do all kinds of fun thanksgiving things. things. Um, I have two I – will, I will advise, even though I know this is post-Thanksgiving when you will hear this, um, roast your vegetables, people. Mm. Don't boil your vegetables. Roast them. Yeah. They will taste better. Agreed. Um, very important. And also, uh, if you're listening to this while you are online shopping – hydrate. I know it's a very busy sales weekend, but make sure you are hydrating. And if you are drinking and shopping, maybe just save the cart until you're sober. So that's my that's my shopping
3: advice. Okay. So what is your most regretful drunk shopping purchase on Black Friday now?
2: Oh, goodness. So, <laughs> I, um, so I've had a couple of them. So I've definitely like accidentally, last year I, I accidentally spent way too much money on a plant that was, it was a very stupid purchase. It died on the way here. And of oh, course it's whoa. one of those things, there's no refund. So yeah, so that was a whole traumatic experience. But I also, but I, I, I ordered a TV once um, and that happened. <laughs> that happened with much uh, fanfare. It's on my wall right now, it's hanging up. But that was a, that was a Black Friday, uh-oh. I, I shouldn't have been drinking at two yeah. in the morning. Cause then you stay up cause you want to get the sales. Yeah. Cause my, mm-hmm. my family, when they would do it, would be like, Let's stay up Thanksgiving night and then they're the reason why Target no longer does Thanksgiving sales. But so <laughs> but that's like the yeah, that's my family. So, you know, we used to all of that. And um, so I was trying to stay up and we were all just having we started hitting the noggle a little early. Mm-hmm. And um, next thing I know, I have a seventy or no, it's a sixty four inch TV hanging on my wall right
3: now. Hey, it's good so, TV. There you go, yeah.
2: I'm happy, but I'm but Devin wasn't happy the next couple of days later yeah. when he yeah. solid, like, what the, f- did I just do? So yeah, that's my
3: Black Friday. I, I still don't know why I bought this, but I was able to return it, thankfully. But I bought four hard drive enclosures and five eSATA cables. Whoa. <laughs> and to this day, I still don't know why I ordered it. <laughs> I was what like, a weirdly specific, yeah. right? Was it a bundle? Was it like a bundle? In or my or? brain, I had some crazy idea how I was going <laughs> to daisy chain these the hard drives in a RAID, in yeah. a RAID, whatever and uh i got them i was like yeah yeah i don't want any of this stuff and thankfully amazon took it back
1: (laughs) yeah mondo you worked retail did you work uh black friday
3: well i worked at target from when i was like 16 to 21 and then i worked apple for also the apple for 10 years and yeah i worked every black friday but we didn't really do anything crazy it was just we, we extended like the student Deals to regular people. Uh, it was still busy as fuck, but uh, whatever. It was what it was. It didn't bother me.
1: I, I worked at uh, Sears for six months after college, and part of that included Black Friday, and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's
4: like, right, right after, right after I got married, um, I worked at a little bookstore for a while, and we had traveled back home to do Thanksgiving and everything, and then it snowed, and the roads got. In Tennessee, it doesn't snow enough for us to actually be prepared for it. And so I got back a little bit late. Like I got back on Black Friday, like at 10, and I was supposed to be there at nine or something. And my manager was mad. He was like, This is our busiest shopping day of the year. The parking lot was iced over. There wasn't a single person there. Oh, no one could get there. They couldn't even park at the place. But he was like, This is our busiest day. I'm like, Have you actually looked outside? Because <laughs> it's no. not
3: what I can say now about black Friday, about working retail in general and why retail is the, the worst job in the world. And mm-hmm. it's not even a bad job. It's just the people, the external people, make it a bad job and man, and bitter manners make it bad is we had a, uh, we knew we were going to induce labor on December 2nd in 2002. So I told my manager two weeks in advance, like, Hey, I'm not going to be here that day or the next day. And she goes, well, I can't give it to you all, so you'll have to call out and take a point. I'm like, I haven't called Jesus. out one time in five years, and this is how you're treating me? So, yeah, that's how I was treated when I was going to have a baby. So mm-hmm, uh, yeah. um, stand up to your managers, people. They're, the, if, if that's how they're treating you, like, I, I know it sounds so simple, but uh, get out of that place. There are retail jobs, mm-hmm. like, for the most part, like, again, or for Apple for 10 years, they treated me pretty damn well. Apple would not have done that. Mm-hmm. Target did. Fuck those Minnesotans. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps
1: up another episode. Uh, Devin, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you?
2: Ah, uh, just go to modernwish.com. I have a podcast, and I have a new horror. I don't know why I didn't say this in the beginning. <laughs> I have a new horror vidcast that I started called Weird Movies, where we are, t- where I hang out with movie people, and um, we talk about horror specifically, occult horror. Um, nice. Which, if you like, if if you are into anything like that is occult and horror, come come find me. Um, and that's a new thing that I'm start that I just started. So, I've, yes, definitely come find me. We're we're new and beginning with that but modern Witch, my podcast has been out for like i've been doing that for going on 12 years and so and i interview all kinds of occultists and we just hang out and talk about weird stuff and so if you like weird stuff come hang out with us um and other than that just com has all of the links and resources you could ever imagine or want so go just go there and once again that's com. all right
1: thank you <laughs> all right and jt thank you uh for coming on as well Thanks for having
0: me.
3: Thank you. Thank you both. Alright.
1: Well, we appreciate everyone for listening. Next week, we, we will be reviewing the season finale episode Till Death Do We Part. We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating review on iTunes or rating on Spotify. And check out our Patreon for bonus content. Also check out our YouTube channel for videos of these podcasts. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypts.
3: Goodbye. <laughs>
0: Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you axe for. You may get it. <laughs>